0: 971 FM Talk Podcast.
1: The Any Fry Show YouTube live chat poll of the day is sponsored by Ruler Foods. Low prices, no coupons. Ruler Foods.
2: That is
3: exactly
0: what I needed to hear. Thank
1: God someone here knows what they're talking about.
0: That's us. That's right. Gotta love this American ride. All right, you need to take the time and get the full picture.
1: ladies i mean they read my engine but they don't belong in the newsroom it is anchor man not anchor Lady. what do you want from me i'm not a goodness
3: sake kid, keep your voice down your father's listening to the radio
0: i'm not a Mary, this is the annie fry show
3: Welcome to the Annie Fry Show. Happy Friday. You know, Fridays are days where we like to put our feet up, take it easy. So much news has happened during the week, and Friday we like to just kind of bask in something relaxing. And then yesterday happened, which is one of the biggest News Thursdays I can remember. And, Brad, when we said earlier this week, let's get Will Sharp on the show. I said get him on. Get him on. Now, Yeah, and yeah, you
1: were asking for him, I think it was for Thursday, and he's yeah. like, well, I'm in D.C. all week.
3: What are you doing in D.C., Will Sharf? What were you doing in well, our nation's capital? We,
2: we were at the Supreme Court yesterday oh. for one of the most important political law cases in American history, trying to keep President Trump on the ballot in all 50 states. We figured that would be the number one news story of the day. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. And then Joe Biden, you know, this report <laughs> comes out. And then he appears to just fold in front of the nation on live TV. I mean, this was one of the craziest days that I can remember for as long as I've been following politics.
3: I thought I said to Brad, I think I said to Brad on the air, I go, I am so excited that we have Will Sharf in to talk about the Supreme Court thing on Friday. This is so great. (laughs) And then I was really kind of by happenstance, Ryan, yesterday I was like, oh, hey, this this uh, special counsel report came in. I was reading it out loud and we get into the well-meaning elderly
2: <laughs> with, with, with a, a bad poor memory, memory.
3: And we're reading this out loud and and i said to ryan i go uh, on the break i said i think like we just reacted in a really <laughs> yeah. pretty big way live raw on the air i hope we didn't overdo it and then the more i found out will the more i'm like this is i don't we can talk about the legal ramifications of the special counsel report but politically disastrous for President
2: Biden. Politically, it's dynamite. I mean, the special counsel's report indicates that Biden's memory has been faltering going back to 2017. So before he was even elected president, he was having serious memory lapses. It's important to note that everything that President Trump has been accused of doing in the Florida documents case, this special counsel's report indicates that Biden did all the same stuff and he doesn't have the Presidential Records Act as a defense. I mean, you have boxes and boxes of documents, dozens of highly classified documents, basically just sitting in this guy's garage. Uh, and then you have the fact that, you know, he appears to you have be to
3: say buy his Corvette. But right, right. <laughs> buy the his most Corvette. important thing that comes out of this is that Joe Biden knows that, you know, that he's got a Corvette in,
2: in the same house that Hunter was living in and presumably getting up to all kinds of crazy stuff there. I mean, this is really, really damning stuff. And the fact that Biden is trying to minimize it, saying that he was fully cooperative, saying all this other stuff, the special counsel's report just shows that shows that to be an absolute lie. The special counsel's report says that Joe Biden repeatedly refused to answer questions uh, when he was being interviewed by the special counsel's team. It shows serious obstructive conduct, including uh, his ghostwriter deleting hours and hours and hours of recordings of Biden potentially talking about classified documents that he had in his possession this is absolute dynamite without even getting into the fact that this proves what we've said all along, which is that the Biden DOJ has set up a two tiered system of justice where one set of rules applies to President Trump and one set of rules applies to Democrats. If if Donald Trump has to stand trial for this document stuff in Florida, and I don't think he should. And Joe Biden doesn't similarly have to stand trial. I mean, that's just a serious perversion of the rule of law.
3: So, OK. There, I, I was reading your tweets. I was reading so many tweets last night. And uh, we heard this. I'm going to take us back to September here.
1: You no saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago. What did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen? How one anyone could be that irresponsible? <laughs> and I thought... What data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that, I mean names of people who helped, or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible.
3: That's Joe Biden talking about the image that was taken by the FBI at Mar-a-Lago when they spread all the documents out and then took a photograph and put them out there for everyone to see. He, he, was, he was very surprised by that. Compare his reaction to the Donald Trump documents photographed by the FBI to... What we now know to be real about what was discovered at Joe Biden's house next to his Corvette in his lock garage, which is better than being from Joe Biden's terms on the street.
2: Well, so first of all, Mar-a-Lago, where the Trump documents were held, is a Secret Service secured facility. (laughs) So the idea that Joe Biden's security situation was somehow better than President Trump's is insane. But second, Joe Biden's talking about sources and methods. He had taken documents from sit room briefings. This is top secret, secured, classified information that he had just lying around in his garage for years that he was showing to his ghostwriter, potentially to others. I mean, every single thing they have accused President Trump of doing, the special counsel's report accuses Joe Biden of doing. And again, because President Trump was a former president, He has powerful legal defenses relating to that status, including the Presidential Records Act, that as a former vice president, the law just doesn't apply in the same way to Joe Biden. So here you have a clear example of unequal treatment under the law, which is just deeply antithetical to the way things are supposed to work in America. We're
3: speaking with Will Scharf. He's in studio with us and he's going to be with us here through about 1245. We're very grateful for his time as he is. Gotten off a plane this morning from Washington, D.C., where he was present at the Supreme Court hearing yesterday regarding the Trump on the uh, Colorado ballot case that was heard. Will is a former federal prosecutor for the Eastern District of Missouri. Uh, He's a former policy director from the Missouri governor's office. He's a candidate for the Missouri attorney general position. And you are also an attorney for President Trump. You are working for him and his legal defense.
2: Yeah, yeah, we've been on his legal team now since uh, since last August. We're actually, uh, you know, we have this presidential immunity appeal uh, that we're we're poised to take up to the Supreme Court in a second, uh, trying to make sure that he's not forced to stand trial on the outrageous charges that have been brought against him in D.C. Uh, but as you said, it's been a it's been a crazy week. But I will say after spending uh, four days in Washington, D.C., it is great to be back in Missouri. So.
3: Yeah, well, we're, we're incredibly happy to welcome you back home uh, to the Show Me State. So we are going to talk about the Supreme Court hearing. I think we're going to talk about that in the next segment. I am watching your comments come in on the Annie Fry YouTube channel, so you can watch us there if you have questions. I will go over questions that are posted there in the break and see if we can pull any of those into the conversation uh, here maybe in the next 10 or 15 minutes or so when we come back. Going back to the Joe Biden a uh, bombshell news from the special counsel report yesterday that we heard about the documents that were discovered, Joe Biden's knowledge of it, his willfulness in having these uh, documents in his home. Yesterday during the press conference, Joe Biden came out and he cited portions of the special counsel's report, saying. That there wasn't a willfulness. He yeah. he he pulled. He gave you the page numbers where you could see that the special counsel report said that he wasn't willingly doing this to evade the law.
2: Yeah. So uh, Joe Biden's a liar is is the bottom line here. That the special counsel uh, the special counsel's report concludes that Joe Biden did willfully retain classified information information that he should not have retained. What Joe Biden did was the, he he then went through the report. Where the special counsel details every type of document every sort of batch of documents that they found at joe biden's house and with respect to some of those documents the special counsel said that there wasn't evidence that he'd willfully retained those documents but the overall conclusion of the special counsel's report is that joe biden unlawfully willfully retained classified information information that he should not have retained and Joe Biden is just lying about it to the American people. That press conference was wild. I mean, half the reason they called the press conference was to reassure Americans that Joe Biden's memory was fine. And within five minutes, he's calling the president of, of Egypt, the president of Mexico. He forgot where his son Beau's rosary came from as he made this sort of emotional speech about the importance of his 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 sadly deceased son uh, to him. I mean, it was a really weird press conference. And I think from a political standpoint, uh, Joe Biden raised more questions than he answered last night. And I think it's going to be really tough for the Democrats to make the argument that he has the mental capacity to be president of the United States of America.
3: Yeah, I think that the implications out of yesterday's news about the records that were retained by Joe Biden in his home, these classified documents, there are two big questions that come out of it. Maybe three, one of them being the ability to prosecute Joe Biden for these crimes. The recommendation from the special counsel is not to do so um, because he's not fit to stand trial. That's the way my my layman's terms understand it. But Joe Biden is out there saying he's as fit as a fiddle.
2: Yeah. I mean, the Democrats have this incredible catch 22 where either Joe Biden's mental capacity is perfect, in which case the special counsel's report indicates that he should be prosecuted or Joe Biden is a senile old man. And, and therefore, he can't be brought to trial. But why is a senile old man sitting in the White House with his finger on the nuclear button? I mean, they can't have it both ways here. Either Joe Biden is unfit to be president of the United States of America or the day that he leaves the White House, he should be indicted for unlawful retention of classified information. That's the conclusion of the special special counsel's report.
3: So there is the, the criminal charges question, which. I don't see this ending in charges for for Joe Biden <laughs> for a, a variety of reasons. There are, we've kind of discussed this already, the political ramifications uh, just seemed like an absolute wrecking ball to Joe Biden's possibility of being an effective candidate for the Democrats against Donald Trump in this November election. But the other question that I have that I think is a very... Significant one, and I'm going to lean in, Will Sharf, to your legal expertise. We've talked about how the Joe Biden classified documents case compares to the Donald Trump classified documents case. What I hear a lot of, uh, let's just say, Trump detractors maybe TDSers, whatever, however you want to label them, they are really pushing in on the obstruction portion Mm -hmm. of what Donald Trump is facing, saying you had the documents, you were told to comply, you pushed back, you obstructed, you didn't tell the truth. Tell me about the difference between the charges that exist for Donald Trump and the ones that they passed on with Joe Biden. Because Joe Biden was very adamant about how compliant he was in this whole process. Sh-
2: sure. I think I think that's just false. The, Joe Biden was not compliant during this process. The special counsel's report reveals that on numerous occasions, he declined to answer questions, totally fair questions, that were posed to him about this whole saga. I think it's also really important to note that as a former president, as opposed to as a former senator and vice president, President Trump has legal rights, responsibilities, and prerogatives that Joe Biden just didn't have. This is the Presidential Records Act argument that I've made before, that others have made before. President, courts have consistently held that former presidents have essentially an unfettered right uh, to designate documents as being personal as opposed to presidential. I believe that that there is no way to prove that Donald Trump knowingly retained information that he knew he wasn't supposed to have, which is what they have to show. It's also worth noting that a president, a former president or a a sitting president, uh, has the ability to declassify anything. The classification authority, with a few very narrow exceptions, is a creature of presidential power. So President Trump would have the ability to declassify documents. And one of the reasons I believe that he's been charged under the Espionage Act, as opposed to the more normal, uh, unlawful retention of classified information uh, statutes, is that the, the the Biden DOJ didn't want to have to litigate around this idea of the president's declassification authority. Now with respect to Joe Biden, the case is much clearer and much simpler. If he unlawfully retained classified information, that is a federal offense. He did not have a right to declassify documents. He's not covered in the same way by the Presidential Records Act. If Joe Biden had classified information at his home, if he willfully retained classified information, after leaving office as vice president that's a crime i believe he should be prosecuted for it and the special counsel's report agrees this is robert Hur, a special counsel appointed by biden's own department of justice somebody reporting to biden's own department of justice saying that the reason not to criminally prosecute joe biden is essentially that his mind has turned to mush and therefore a jury would be unwilling to convict him I mean, if that's not damning as to this guy's capacity to continue being president, I don't know what is.
3: I want to ask you this question, which maybe you just asked, or maybe you've answered this, but it's specifically from a listener who I think has uh, good intentions to find out what your response is to this. Annie, can you ask him this is from Edward, how the Presidential Record Act is a defense for Trump? As far as I know, it's specifically outlined in the Act that classified documents are to be returned to the National Archives when the president leaves office.
2: So that's that's not entirely correct. The Presidential Records Act allows a president to designate which of his records are presidential. uh, And those would be sort of official documents of the nature that do need to be returned to the National Archives. And which of those documents uh, that he has at the end of his term in office are personal documents. Every court to have looked at this issue. This is the Clinton sock drawer case, most notably, has said that a president's determinations with respect to what's presidential and what's personal are essentially unreviewable by the courts, that that's not a question that the courts can wade into. That's why the Presidential Records Act is so important. And it also speaks to President Trump's state of mind. Even if he made a mistake, even if he kept documents that should have been designated as presidential, uh, but he thought were personal, then that undercuts the mens rea that they have to prove. The willfulness, uh, the voluntariness of, of what he was doing. So all in all, the Presidential Records Act creates a legal morass that the special counsel in his case in Florida is going to have to wade through long before he even gets to trial on those issues. And even if that case goes to trial, and I certainly hope it doesn't, they're going to have to prove a degree of willfulness and intent on President Trump's part that I don't think they can prove based on President Trump's rights under the Presidential Records Act and his understanding of the Presidential Records Act. That's why the Presidential Records Act is so important to that Trump case. And the fact that Joe Biden simply does not have the same sorts of defenses, the same sorts of prerogatives under the law, I think makes the case against him damning and and the special counsel's report, frankly, conclusive. I'll just reemphasize this. The special counsel appointed by Biden's own Department of Justice has said that the only reason not to prosecute Joe Biden is that a jury would take pity on him. Because he's an old man with a faulty memory. I mean, if that is not damning, I don't know what is.
3: We're speaking with attorney attorney for President Trump, Will Scharf, uh, also a candidate for Missouri attorney general, former federal prosecutor for the Eastern District of Missouri in studio. Edward, I hope that that answers your question um, from a a very bright legal mind. You're going to stick around for a little bit, right? Yeah. Happy to hang out, man. The questions, the more you answer, the more questions I have. Ryan, you probably got some questions.
1: I, I'm actually just kind of enjoying listening Did for you, a moment. Can you so like stand a little
3: closer. <laughs> I'm like, and let it rub oh yeah, up. okay, yeah. Oh okay, yeah, okay. Soak it in. <laughs> um, we appreciate you being with us this Friday afternoon. Yesterday was a monumental news day on a whole host of fronts. We haven't even really talked about the Supreme Court hearing that Will Scharf was at yesterday to find out whether or not Donald Trump's going to even be on the ballot in Colorado. We're going to get to that issue when we come back. I'm going to read your questions that you're posing, like Edwards online. You send them to us and do so respectfully. I don't care who you are going to vote for. I like your questions. I will forward as many of those as I can as well. Go to the Fry YouTube channel. Ask your questions of Will Scharf right there, and we'll get to what we can. And we'll discuss that Supreme Court hearing Well, I got a ton of sound here that I could go through of people reacting to the press conference last night from Joe Biden when the news came out. The special counsel report comes out and says he's old. He's forgetful. Probably kind of a nice guy. Means well. And then what the White House decided to do is tell the guy to go in front of a podium and yell at the country to get off of his lawn. (laughs) That was an amazing political decision for uh, the White House. I I don't understand it. I do have pity for this man. I do have disdain for his wife. Why are you allowing this to happen to him? So we've discussed... That part of the big news uh, cycle yesterday with Will Scharf, who's in studio with us right now. He is an attorney for President Trump. He was at the Supreme Court yesterday while the Supreme Court was hearing the case out of Colorado. They're right. The secretary of state's right in Colorado to say, Trump, you're not on the ballot here. So will walk us through the experience yesterday of listening to that. We were able to hear it. You were able to see it. It felt very much so like Donald Trump might have had a pep in his step after hearing what we heard yesterday.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was a great day for us. So basically what happened here is uh, a number of left wing groups led by this group called Crew uh, seeded lawsuits all over the country to try to keep President Trump off the ballot on the theory that he's a quote unquote insurrectionist uh, covered by uh, by the 14th Amendment, by Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. This argument, I believe, was always just legal bunk. It was rejected by basically every court in the country uh, that heard it. Somehow they managed to convince the Colorado Supreme Court otherwise. So Colorado ruled that President Trump wouldn't be able to be on the ballot in Colorado. We took that up to the Supreme Court. And yesterday, I mean, it was shocking. You had justices that are typically considered some of the most liberal justices on the court, almost telling our lawyer who was arguing, Jonathan Mitchell, that he had to be even more aggressive and assertive, <laughs> that he wasn't being aggressive enough in, uh, in defending Donald Trump's ability to ma- remain on the ballot. I mean, we think this is going to be a, a big win for us. I don't want to necessarily make a, a prediction that it'll be unanimous. But when you when you're a liberal lawyer and you're getting just dragged relentlessly by Elena Kagan and Katanji Brown-Jackson. You're doing it right. It's <laughs> like, not right. When you've lost Kagan and Jackson, it's <laughs> tough to count to five votes. So like, this was a really good day for us, a really good day for the Republic, and a really, really bad day for this left-wing concerted effort uh, to interfere with President Trump's ability to run for president. So we were really happy with how it went.
3: What I keep hearing smart people like you saying, and you can explain this uh, down to my level here in a second, is that if Chief Roberts wants to e- to get a unanimous uh, consent here, it's going to have to be a very narrow ruling. What does that mean?
2: Well, so it, it depends what you mean by that. I think there are ways... I'm not sure th- what I mean about th- that. Th- there are ways <laughs> they could craft an opinion... That wouldn't say that President Trump is conclusively didn't engage in insurrection, but that still would protect his right to be on the ballot. So one issue that came up yesterday is a very old case from the 1860s called Griffin's case, where the Supreme Court chief justice at the time uh, basically said that states can't go out on their own in enforcing this provision of the 14th Amendment, that there has to be a federal implementing legislation, which there actually was in the 1870s. Uh, in order to bring this into effect. And the justice is keyed on this because if you don't accept that ruling, if you don't accept this idea that there has to be a uniform federal standard, then every state gets to make its own decision on who is and isn't covered by this provision. And you could end up with the crazy situation where Uh, the democrat candidate isn't on the ballot in any republican controlled state and the republican candidate isn't on the ballot in any democrat controlled state and to me that's just sort of the end of our system of electing presidents that's the end of the republic um so the justices were clearly worried about the ramifications of any decision that could allow states to just kind of make things up as they go along here and my guess is that that's where this opinion ends up with an idea that you need federal implementing legislation uh, for this provision to be brought into effect, uh, for this provision of the 14th Amendment. And uh, and that's an absolute win for us. I mean, that was one of our key arguments in our briefing all the way through. And I think we'd all be very happy with any decision that protects the right of President Trump to to run for office and to appear on the ballot.
3: We're speaking with Will Scharf here in studio. He's an attorney for President Trump, was present at those uh, hearings yesterday at the Supreme Court. Ryan Wiggins is standing mm-hmm. Starting to get awkwardly close to Will Sharf, just trying to bask in this legal expertise. Are you? Are you okay? Do you need a like a fan or something over there?
1: I wouldn't mind a, a little. <laughs> Brad, fan. can you
3: kind of just g- c- cool him down a little no, bit? No,
1: no, <laughs> no. He's on his <laughs> own. Deal with it. So, Brad would, in fact, mind. <laughs> well, I, I, I just, she thought I was fanning myself. I was waving. I was saying, "I have a question <laughs> Go for, for Will." Um, so yesterday, I was watching the oral arguments as much as I could. It was basically all morning. Um, I heard, and I wasn't just surprised to hear that the liberal or left-leaning justices typically were, were peppering uh, Colorado with so many questions, but, but the, the angles at which everybody was coming at them, it wasn't just one thing that they were really hung up on like, oh, well, you didn't consider this. It was like this thing and that thing and this thing. W- was that a surprise to you guys
2: being there? Um, look, we think our legal arguments were very, very strong and we're not surprised that the justices saw things the same way. But as you said, the questioning was incredibly aggressive and some of the justices, I'd actually point to to Brett Kavanaugh on this, almost seemed to indicate that they thought this whole case was self-evident, that of course we should be ruling the way you guys are asking what Colorado and and crew, what these left-wing groups are asking for just doesn't make any sense. It's just wildly incoherent. Uh, so our lawyer, who's this guy named Jonathan Mitchell, an outstanding conservative lawyer uh, out of Texas. At times, he almost had to dial the justices back and lead them through some of the more complicated, uh, what we view as some of the more complicated tensions in the law. And on the on the contra- uh, to contrast to that, uh, when the lawyer from Crew was up there, I mean, he was just getting dragged over and over and over again, and the justices kept pulling back to, you know, if you're right, the ramifications are just crazy. And again, it wasn't we're not talking about Thomas and Alito. I mean, Thomas barely said a word yesterday. Alito was very aggressive. But, you know, Katanji Brown Jackson, who's a Biden appointee to the U.S. Supreme Court. I mean, uh, it, she sounded like she was just 100 percent with us, that she was ready to rule from the bench. Uh, I wouldn't say we were shocked by it because, again, our arguments here are really strong uh, but it was a great day for us and we were really happy with how things went. President Trump gave a, an awesome press conference down at Mar-a-Lago <laughs> yeah. where, I mean, he seemed pretty psyched with uh, with the way things had gone in the morning. So yeah.
3: You can always tell when he's delivering uh, a, a press conference, uh, like a small little speech, and then he takes questions. You can always tell when he's feeling good. And you can tell when he's feeling a little feisty. And he was he was in good form yesterday. Well, Look,
2: it's been a great week for him between the Supreme Court, between the Nevada primary where Nikki Haley lost to none of the above and then the Nevada (laughs) caucuses. I mean, President Trump's on a roll right now. But again, I think it's just important to note that yesterday, President Trump had to make the choice between going to the Supreme Court to hear a case that you know is really important to him really important to his campaign and going to nevada to campaign on the day of the nevada caucuses this is this left-wing plan to use lawfare to interfere in the 2024 election to use this constant string of cases and prosecutions to interfere with president trump's first amendment right to run for office and we saw that play out in a little way yesterday and that's why i think it's so important that we fight back against this left-wing campaign against president trump However you feel about President Trump, even if you're a liberal, you should not be happy with the way that the Biden DOJ, with the way that these left wing groups have weaponized our legal system to interfere in the 2024 election.
3: You're you're talking about kind of an expansive lawfare that the left is using, the bureaucratic left is using to try to get Trump. Uh, I want to read for you a comment from Scooter. He said Trump is requ- requesting a new kind of more expansive immunity like dictators have. What do you say to that?
2: Look, I think that's absolutely incorrect. I mean, presidential immunity, we view that as core to our constitutional system of federalism and separation of powers. I think that's one of the reasons why no president, no former president in American history has ever before been prosecuted for his acts in office, for his official acts. Well, I wouldn't. I don't want
3: to put words in Scooter's mouth, but I have a feeling he would say no other president has acted like Donald Trump.
2: Well, I, I just think that's incorrect. You look through American history, there are numerous instances where presidents have done things in office that are incredibly controversial, incredibly unpopular, some would say potentially criminal, and yet nobody has ever made the effort to prosecute a president for his official acts in office before for, because I think people assumed that that wasn't something you were allowed to do. And then suddenly with Trump, we see this new standard emerge where you have prosecutors all over the country, federal and state, attempting to rush into court to bring these cases against him, I believe, just in time for the 2024 election. I mean, Biden's DOJ could have indicted President Trump in 2021 and 2022. Instead, they rushed out these indictments right as the election was starting to get going and then pushed for incredibly quick trial dates to force President Trump to be on trial just as his election campaign was going to get going. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think this is unprecedented in American history. And frankly, I don't think President Trump did anything wrong. And I think the facts will end up bearing that out if, God forbid, he's forced to stand trial on any of these cases. So it's it's we're living in, I think, really dangerous times for those of us who care about our Constitution, for those of us who care about the rule of law. I mean, these are core questions of federalism, of the separation of powers. President Trump has said repeatedly that if a president doesn't have immunity, this exact sort of immunity that we're seeking for him, the presidency is over. That every future president will be living under fear of criminal prosecution for every one of their acts. They can't give an order to their military. They can't make any decision Uh, without having their political opponents hang the possibility of criminal prosecution over their heads. That will completely obliterate the power of the presidency. That will make it impossible for any president to act decisively in times of national crisis. This is a real, real problem. We're seeking to vindicate President Trump's rights in court. But more than that, we're seeking to vindicate core constitutional principles that we believe underlie the entire American republic and our system of governance.
3: Last question I have for you, Will Scharf, with us right now, attorney for President Trump, candidate for Missouri attorney general, former federal prosecutor for the Eastern District of Missouri. Uh, most all of this vitriol, hatred and lawfare is rooted in this idea that Donald Trump tried to overthrow the people's election in on January 6th of 2021. What do you say when people look at that? They've been fed that yeah. you know, over and over and over again. They try to show the images of people who went into the Capitol, hinged them all on Donald Trump as if he sent them in there. And I, I had a conversation yesterday with Hans von Spakovsky, and I raised this point. The idea of people storming the Capitol actually derailed the process that Donald Trump wanted to see play out. So the actual storming of the Capitol was detrimental to the process which from what I understand is a constitutionally based process to challenge an election, the election results, it didn't even end up materializing. And Joe Biden has been the president. Somebody tell him all of these days since he was inaugurated. Is Joe Biden or is Donald Trump? Is there any part of this insurrectionist charge on Donald Trump that has legal standing in any of these cases?
2: So a couple points. First, neither President Trump nor any other person in the country. Has been charged, much less convicted with insurrection. The idea that this was an insurrection is not borne out by the facts at all. I would also encourage your listeners go back and listen to President Trump's entire speech on the ellipse on January 6, 2021. And the left always keys on things that he said we need to fight like hell. If you actually look at those statements in context, when he talks about fighting, He's talking about broad policy concerns. He's talking about fighting in a a very general sense politically. And that's totally normal political rhetoric. No
3: different than the, what was it, 20 minutes that they played in the impeachment trial of Maxine Waters, among many other people, saying the exact same rhetoric. A
2: hundred percent. And then when he calls on people to march to the Capitol, he specifically says, we are going to patriotically and peacefully protest. There is no part of the speech that is clearer ...than when President Trump says patriotically and peacefully. There is nothing about President Trump's actions on the day of January 6, 2021... ...that indicate that in any way he tried to incite violence... ...he tried to do anything beyond asking people to peacefully protest. And that's key because it cuts back entirely against this left-wing narrative... ...that he tried to stir this crowd up into a riot. Nothing could be further from the truth... It's also worth noting that the first breach of the Capitol, the first attacks on on law enforcement all occurred before President Trump's speech even concluded. Hmm. So there were people who I think wanted to cause trouble or, you know, trouble happened. But I think tying that factually to anything President Trump did just doesn't doesn't carry any water at all. And as you said before, we've been challenging elections in this country, you know, going back to eighteen hundred, eighteen twenty four. Lots of candidates feel that for one reason or another, the system that that re, the the election as it occurred, the system that resulted uh, wasn't fair, wasn't justified. And they've taken steps to to contest those uh, those results. I mean, this is just a feature of our democracy. And it's it's regrettable that, you know, some of the things that happened on January 6th happened. I'd be the first to say that, you know, you shouldn't attack law enforcement. I mean, I think that's self-evident. And some people, I think, did. But it's more, not
3: self-evident for everybody in this well, country.
2: Yeah, um, you know, you think about what happened with the, the Black Lives Matter protests right. in 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 the summer of 2020. You had a, a federal courthouse in Portland that was essentially under siege for over a month, with very few people actually charged for any of that violence. But with this idea that President Trump is an insurrectionist—it's entirely been cooked up by the left-wing media, by political actors. The facts just don't bear it out. And I think that's just really important. People, do your own research. Go back and listen to that speech. Really get in the weeds of what actually happened on January 6th. Because I think the American people have been fed a lie. And I think that lie has been pushed relentlessly by the mainstream media for purely political purposes.
3: Andy, a listener, faithful listener of the show, a detractor at times, but always respectfully, says, if Trump thought it was detrimental, why didn't he try to stop everyone that day? Why wasn't he upset with the day's events? I think you've kind of answered that. He
2: did. He put out a video saying everyone needs to go home now. I mean, that's the thing that, you know, as soon as it became clear that this was an out-of-control situation... And President Trump goes, up. I mean, as quickly as you can when you're president of the United States of America and he cuts the Rose Garden video where he says, everybody, it's time to go home. Like you've made your point, whatever that was, it's time to go home. And people did. So uh, when you actually look at President Trump's acts on that day, it's tough to really pick a bone with them. And I, that's what I think needs to come out. If, God forbid, that D.C. case or the Georgia case does go to trial, I think a lot of those facts will come out. Uh, but if you actually look at the record, it's very different than what's been portrayed in the mainstream media. And I think that's really important.
3: Bonus content came up with another question. I have to ask it. Uh, is shifting off of Donald Trump. I think you've very well articulated his defense on so many different cases that he's facing right now. I want to go back to Joe Biden just to wrap this up. Yesterday, presciently. Our YouTube live chat poll was, hey, you think we'll see the 25th Amendment before (laughs) November? That started at noon. That special counsel story didn't break until like two o'clock or something like that. And that question looked a little different at 3 p.m. than it did at noon. Is is Joe Biden in jeopardy of being able to finish his actual term or is that so politically outrageous we're not going to see that?
2: I mean, I think there's a strong argument that the 25th Amendment should be brought to bear here now given the way the 25th amendment given the way that process works i think it's highly unlikely that he'll be removed from office between now and next january but i think people have to be thinking does this guy really have the capacity to serve another four years as president i think the answer is pretty clearly no so there are a number of ways that he can be pulled off the ballot it's too late really for another democrat to be put on the primary ballot so joe biden could potentially at the democrat convention withdraw himself from consideration and that would mean that all of his delegates would become unpledged and the democrats at the democrat national convention would be able to choose a different candidate if he makes it through the convention and he then withdraws or is forced to withdraw by reasons of health or age or whatever then democrats state party chairs would have the ability to decide the candidate so that's option number two option number three is that if he actually makes it through the election and he wins which i don't think he will but if he were to at that point, he could resign and then or, or step back and then the vice president elect would take office. But I just think looking at his looking at his presentation last night, looking at these increasing questions about his fitness to serve, I find it really difficult to believe that the Democrats are are going to continue going down this road if they have any other alternative. And then the question becomes, who can they put up? Right. Who can they put up that could plausibly You know, compose a national election campaign in just a couple months? What does that look like? And what does that do to Americans' faith in the Democrat Party that they've insisted for years and years and years that Biden is totally capable to serve? And now we find out he's been having significant lapses in memory since 2017. And that's not an accusation being leveled by his political rivals. That's an accusation being leveled at him by his own Department of Justice. I mean, it really is stunning. And I think if you're an honest Democrat out there, You've got to be thinking, what are you doing to your country by putting this guy up for election for another four years as president?
3: Yes or no. Is Joe Biden still the Democrat presidential nominee? That's today's poll.
2: 50 as of now, he is (laughs) 50 50. 50, 50, He makes it through to election. You're like,
3: well, it's 1248 on a Friday. Yes, right now.
2: Annie. two days ago, I would have told you 100 percent they're stuck with him. But he was just so feeble and so bad yesterday that I think people have to start running for the hills. You see the attacks coming this morning. They're calling Robert Hur the special counsel. It's like, oh yeah, he's a he's a MAGA guy. Yeah, yeah. notable okay. MAGA activist Robert Hur, who was appointed by Merrick Garland. You know, Joe Biden. Another radical the, MAGA Joe, Republican. It's like what, if that's their line, like it's just it's crazy to me that that's where the conversation is at right now.
3: We've done, we've, we've talked about all of it and you have to come back.
2: Uh, anytime, Annie. I, I love coming on with you guys. So thanks so much for having me.
3: Tell president Trump, we said hi. I will. Thank I you. Will. Uh, he is the attorney for president Trump. One of them. Uh, he is also a candidate for Missouri attorney general and a former federal prosecutor for the Eastern district in Missouri. Will Scharf, we are going to turn this all around and get it out there in video for you to consume. Boy, do we need to go to a break. Join us on the YouTube live chat. We'll be right back.
1: Something the special counsel said in his report is that one of the reasons you were not charged is because, in his description, you are a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. I'm well-meaning and I'm an elderly man and I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been president. and I put this country back on its feet. I don't need his recommendation. How bad is your memory, and can you continue as president? My memory is so bad I let you speak. Oh, that's you, the that's my you, memory is. has gotten worse. Mr. No, no, my memory is not good. My memory is fine. My memory. Take a look at what I've done since I become president. None of you thought I could pass any of the things I got passed. How'd that happen? You know, I guess I just forgot what was going on.
3: He throws a lot of things out there. He gives a lot of homework out of what he wants other people to research. I'm like, I want you to tell me what you've done.
1: Yeah, you know what? I, <laughs> yeah. The whole time Peter Ducey's talking, I'm thinking, oh, a great response here would be, uh, you know, how is your memory? He should have said, I don't know, what was the question? Like I, that, no, that, I There Peter, are great responses. Peter
3: Ducey was on with Jesse Waters uh, reacting to the press conference and that question, and Peter Ducey was basically defending Joe Biden. He said, when he said to me that my memory is so bad, I— I, I forgot that I shouldn't have called on you or whatever he said there. Peter Doocy goes, that was funny.
1: Yeah, it he's, was not he, bad. He
3: said, he go, and Jesse Waters, you could tell Jesse Waters was like, come on, Peter Doocy, we're doing a thing here. <laughs> we're, we're dunking on the president. And Peter, like, it was very interesting to watch Peter reflect on that moment. Peter was saying, these are really uncomfortable questions. And he's got to answer some to some very embarrassing reports here, and for him to come back and say, uh, "I remember I forgot to call. I shouldn't call on you though, or whatever." He goes, "That was actually funny." And and then Jesse Waters plays it, and he goes, "It doesn't seem like the sarcasm really hit." And then Peter Ducey goes, "Well, he's mad," mm-hmm. and you know, you you can kind of understand why he's mad. And I thought that that was an interesting take from Peter Ducey. Um, I don't know if it was like Stockholm syndrome or something, but it was like watching him. Really expand the lens on this moment in time to understand what it would have been like for Joe Biden to have to go in front of those people and answer to a report. Uh, I'm trying to think of things that were as embarrassing to withstand for a president as that was that were, in fact, true, because what they've done to lie about Donald Trump, about some very salacious and obnoxious things that were not true at all. Donald Trump had to withstand all of that, knowing that it was a lie. I don't think Joe Biden is going up there thinking that he's going to be able to completely sell everybody that he's a whippersnapper. He just needs to be able to get this to be yesterday's news. He needs to get through the moment and make yesterday's news. I heard Dana Perino talking about it with Jesse Waters too. And he goes, why? She said, why didn't they put him at the, in the oval office at the resolute desk him in a camera, speak to the country, send him to
1: bed.-hmm. If that, I honestly thought that he would not even address this because the easiest way for this to go away is to make it a news story for a couple of days, get to the weekend, see what happens Monday. man. He has never responded to any situation in his presidency as quickly as he did to this one. You're right. He he came this, this had to be his doing that he said, "No, I am going out and addressing this."
2: I
3: completely think it's the other way around. Really? Oh, 100%. But I have been saying for so long that when they determine it's time that they're done with Joe Biden, when Joe Biden is no longer use, useful to the apparatus, that they will tell him Joe, you're done. And he's going to say, I am not done. I'm the president of the United States. And they're going to say, you go out our way or you're going to go out in a way that you're not going to like. And the the way that he was put out there kind of to his own devices and then the press was aggressive towards him. They've never been that aggressive towards That It is not new information that he's not super sharp. Yeah, The questions that were asked last night aren't based on this Brand new revelation where he was the president of the United States, who's 81 years old, has a diagnosis that nobody knew anything about. And this is brand new information. He's making he's talking about speaking to dead people Mm -hmm. on an every other day basis. It's not like one slip. I think last night Jesse Waters was talking to Chrissy Noem and introduced her as the governor of South Carolina. (laughs) That's a slip. It's South Dakota. (laughs) And it's like. Are we talking about Joe Biden here making making slip ups? People make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. And people will say Donald Trump confused Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi. It takes seven and a half brain cells to look at Donald Trump and Joe Biden and know it ain't the same. Maybe six.
1: I'll take you one further. I'll go five. <laughs> yeah. Do I have four? A lot of respect to Peter Ducey, by the way, for being a journalist. I mean, that dude steps into these situations. He's usually the only one to ever say anything contrary to the narrative. And last night he could have gone on to Jesse Waters and dunked hard and he didn't. He said he he gave journalist answers. Good to see.
3: We got a packed one o'clock hour. We moved the B or Not the B, our normal Wiggins America to 145. So stick around for that. Ask us anything questions in the comments on the Annie Fry YouTube channel. We'd be happy to answer them. And we're gonna get to what we missed in the week. Good grief. I feel like with this last 24 hour news cycle, we've missed so
0: much. We'll be right back.
1: Get more at 971talk.com.